All right, you can go and take a seat. Go and find a seat. <clears throat> Sorry, some of you guys that are introverts, you're like, man, that was a long 30 seconds. Uh, yeah, it was a little longer that time because we were chatting it up. Uh, so my favorite halftime, I didn't know that was going to be the question today. Uh, my favorite halftime show for the Super Bowl uh, was uh, the U2 one. Gosh, this was, I don't remember when it was. 2002, maybe? Because I, th- I remember it was like, I think the one right after 9-11. And they had these huge scrims. And they just rolled names. And if, if you go back and watch, I'm sure it's on YouTube. <clears throat> if you go back and watch it and, like, turn off the volume, it looks like a, a worship concert. It's really bizarre. There's actually, like, this spontaneous section where it's, like, like a minute or so of just music. And it sounds like worship music. And it's, it's, it's really uh, crazy. Well, you know Bono has, like, a deep spiritual background. Like, he, he, he was going to go into ministry. And then, uh, yeah kind of, he makes a little more money now doing what he's doing. It's about the same. It's about the same. Uh, so, hey, uh, we're in uh, Game Changers right now. We're in this series. We started four, three weeks ago. This is the fourth week where we're talking about spiritual disciplines, things like prayer and Bible study and meditation, silence and solitude, uh, generosity, volunteerism, and there's a dozens, there's dozens of other ones like that. And they're kind of the whole reason why we're going through this is the first week of this, of this Game Changer series, we talk about the five catalysts of spiritual growth. And if you missed that for whatever reason, I highly challenge you to go back and listen to it either on the podcast or YouTube or Facebook or wherever. Because it goes through what we believe five ways that you grow spiritually, all of us. Uh, these kind of five buckets of their catalysts for spiritual growth. And if you were to look back at seasons of your life where you grew spiritually, it was probably landing in one of these five buckets. And so we're going to structure actually the first chunk of this year with sermon series around these five catalysts. And the first one is spiritual disciplines. And I think spiritual disciplines get kind of a bad rap. That's why we're, why we're kind of camping on it. There's a sense of like you do spiritual disciplines because that's what good Christians do, and you do them out of duty, right? So you guys remember like if you became like a Christian in high school or whatever, there's like this, you have to pray X number of minutes a day. You have to read your Bible at, at least a chapter every day. You read something out of proverbs and you read something in the new testament a chapter every day and the sense was if you don't do that you're not a good christian then the whole goal of spiritual disciplines i want to reframe it for us because the goal is not to do them out of duty but also the goal is not just to be good at spiritual disciplines we talked that about that a lot that very first week you can look at spiritual disciplines as a uh, as a structure to cultivate spiritual life. And the kind of the, the example I keep on seeing as I read, read a lot of books on spiritual development is this idea of trellis. You guys know what a trellis is, right? Like, so we have um, vines in the front yard uh, that, we, uh, that are intentional. And they're on these like trellises we got from Amazon, you know, and they grew up the, grew up the trellis. Because if we didn't have the trellis, they kind of grow into the yard. And if we don't trim them, actually, they leave the trellis and they start growing into the trees. You guys ever had that with your vines? It's kind of messed up. So, and then we have this black, uh, blackberry bush, and it's a vine in the backyard that when we first started, it said it was a kind of blackberry bush you don't need a trellis. And so then, but then it started growing like across the yard, uh, like an alien, you know, like tentacles. And so we're like, no, I think we do need a trellis, actually. So we got one on Amazon, obviously, and it's growing up the trellis, and it looks great. It still doesn't have any blackberries, but it's growing up. And what, what, what spiritual disciplines are is that structure. It's a structure for us to cultivate spiritual life. I, I want you to think about those of you guys that are kind of wine people. 
Uh, if you imagine going to the vineyard, you go to Napa or Sonoma or wherever the wine you like comes from, and you go visit the vineyard, and imagine the caretaker of the vineyard was like, I don't know why, but the grapes this season are just, they're, they're rotting, animals are getting to it, they're not thriving. And then you go back there and there's no trellis system. The vines are just all over the ground, choking each other out, getting all tangled up, getting stepped on, right? And then he's like, I wonder, I don't know why they're not thriving. And you'd be like, well, probably because they're just all over the ground, right? My guess, right? It'd be obvious to you that without a trellis system, that there's no way the plants would thrive. Well, imagine if there was a Christian Wondering why their relationship with God isn't thriving. Wondering why your relationship with God isn't growing, why there's not signs of life where it feels anemic. Maybe there's no structure, there's no trellis, there's no spiritual disciplines. And here's the thing, it's not, this isn't meant to like make you feel like, no, you got to do this stuff or you're a bad Christian. No, no, no. I firmly believe that God wants you to have a thriving spiritual life. And I know you do too. You wouldn't be here unless you wanted that. Whether you believe that you can have that or not. And some of us have tried for years, decades, and for as long as you have known God, you've had a hard time building traction in your faith. It feels like you've just kind of got half a percent better and went back and two steps forward and one step back. But you, you look at other people and they're like having a thriving relationship with God and you're going, I've never had that. I don't know if I'll ever have that. My, my, my challenge is, could you try to implement some spiritual disciplines? My guess is that if you develop some consistency around some spiritual disciplines, you'd see that life starting to show. Spiritual disciplines create life. They are not life themselves. And what I explain that is sometimes we can look at a spiritual discipline like Bible study. And we can make a God out of it, as if we follow a book. L listen, Eric touched on this a little bit last week, but the early Christians didn't have a Bible as we know about it for a long time. They followed Jesus. They didn't follow a book. So the book is authoritative. We believe that. But we don't follow a book. In the same way, we don't worship at the altar of prayer. We don't worship at the altar of generosity. Or those are good things, but we follow Jesus. And these structures help us know him more. So a couple of other thoughts uh, before we hop into what we're talking about this week. You're, over the course of this series, you're going to learn about a dozen spiritual disciplines. And I know that can be intimidating. Some of you guys that are kind of perfectionists will feel like you have to do all these things at once. You're going to feel really intimidated. This can be like going to a starting line of a race and going, okay, go these 12 di different directions, ready, go, right? It's a little intimidating. So here's my challenge to you. Pick one. Pick one. doesn't matter which one, right? Pick one, prayer, Bible study, whatever, meditation. What we're talking about today is self-examination. Pick one and then just get consistent at that, right? Pick, maybe pick Bible study and, and every morning you spend 10 minutes, then it becomes 15 minutes, 20 minutes, reading the Bible every day, and then once you have some consistency, maybe add prayer or start with prayer. Or, you know, some of us, church has kind of taken the back road. We, we used to go, I feel like the, the, the person that used to go every week now comes every other week. The person that used to go every other week comes like once a month now, right? And you probably feel the effects in your spiritual life. Maybe go back to consistency with that first. What we tend to do is we add complexity before, we, before we're consistent, 
Does that make sense? So, we, so take, take working out, right? So you, I have a friend of mine. I'm not going to name names because he'll probably watch this at some point. He's always about to start a workout routine, okay? And so he's like, at, usually around New Year's, right? Like a lot of people, gyms are packed right now. They will be for like another, give it a week or two. They'll slim down again. But he's like, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. On Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm going to do this. On Tuesdays and Fridays, I'm going to do cardio. And then I'm going to do back and arms on Saturdays. And I'm going to take Sunday as a rest day. And I'm only going to eat this. And three days, maybe, he lasts until he's back to his old patterns. Why? Because he tried to make it too complex. Go for consistency before you add complexity. All right? So last week or two weeks ago, uh, right after the week after the intro, Natalie talked about prayer. And that week we called Encounter. We wanted to reframe prayer. Prayer is not something that we do so that we sound spiritual. And the better, more eloquent you pray and the more you sound like you're in King James language, that the, more, the more spiritual you are, that's not the, way, the reason for prayer. Prayer is about having an encounter with God. Like we don't believe we follow a, ris- a list of do's and don'ts. We follow a living God. So prayer has having an encounter with God. So that was the first week. Last week, Eric did a great job talking about Bible study and meditation, how do those two go hand in hand. We called it grounded. Grounded. The whole idea was like electricity being grounded, right? So you don't get shocked. And in today's culture, that's so polarizing. You feel like if you take an inch to the left or right, you're going to get canceled, okay? It's polarizing. Everything is an argument with relatives and friends and every, you're on pins and needles, right? How do you get grounded in God's Word? So Today is called integrity, integrity. And not, Eric alluded to this last week when he talked about this week coming up, but integrity not in the sense of uh, like character, like who you are in the dark, but integrity in the sense of like structural integrity, right? So like I look at this way, like, like, integrity, like integrity like a ship, right? So like uh, take like Star Trek. Any you guys like Trekkies? Like I like Star Trek. I don't dress up or anything like that. I'm not that... That level, I know someone watching right now, you are at that level. Some of you guys know who, I, uh, who I'm talking about. Uh, very much Trekkie. I, I texted a picture of an episode. I was watching Next Generation. Next Generation guy. I, I texted a picture of, of the episode I was watching to this person that he named the episode. The name of the episode. He's at that level. Anyways, so I like Star Trek. Uh, and every episode, usually, they get to a point where they're in a battle with somebody or negotiations or some tense situation, right? And then the captain, in my case, what I watched, Picard, uh, says, you know, status check or status report, okay? And then Sulu, whoever, gives a status report of, like, shields at this percent, life support at this percent, you know, the warp drive at this percent, right? And the status check lets him know what decisions he should make. Because if he tried to go to warp and the warp drive was at 10%, it could blow up. Or if he ch- continued to take shots from the enemy and the shields were low, then the shield, the, the, the whole ship would blow up and the lives would be lost. Okay, why is that important? Because many of us, we need to take a status check. We need to take a status check. If we were to take a status check on your heart right now, on your soul right now, what would the report say? What will the report say about your level of peace right now? I mean, honestly, about your level of peace. See, what we do right here at church, this is a part of you, but a lot of times this isn't the real you, right? The you right before you go to sleep, when the screens are off, and it's just you and your thoughts. When you're driving down the road and you're hopefully not holding your phone, radio's off, 
just you and your thoughts. What's going on? In those moments, what's going on in your heart? What's going on in your soul? A lot of us, we have a hard time taking time to pause and slow down because we're afraid of what we're going to find in those silent moments. And we're talking about this week is getting integrity, looking at the structural integrity of our lives. So what would that status report say in your heart? How's your level of surrender to God? Really? You go to church, great, you sing songs, great. How's your level of surrender to God? How's your hope level? You still hope? You still hope or are you afraid to hope now? Been disappointed too much. You still dream? God does. God has dreams for your life. God wants to do stuff through you. God wants to reach people through you, make a difference through you. Do you still hope? Or are you just trying to get through today? How's your level of sin? How's sin in your life? Still pursuing purity? Still pursuing holiness? Maybe there's some things that you've gotten a little too comfortable with a little too used to things you watch things you listen to things you engage in that man used to be black and white but now it's like i got different habits now how's your level of sin how's your level of anger irritability or you may just say i just get frustrated okay you get frustrated more than usual more than before what's going on what's going on underneath that right because if one person frustrates you okay that's one thing it could be that person if everybody frustrates you if everything frustrates you, maybe it's you. What's going on in your heart? And that's not a blame game. I just want, this is, these are the times we take some time to self-examine and go, what's going on in my heart? If something bothers you, a great question to ask is, why does that bother me so much? Why does that bother me so much? What is going on inside? Last thing, what's your level of generosity like? What's your level of generosity like? Uncertain times tend to cause us to clam up. You still being generous with your neighbors, with your friends, your coworkers? Still being generous? Today we're going to talk about this, this, the, the spiritual discipline of self-examination. And the thing with self-examination is you, you can't do it on the fly. A lot of times self-examination is coupled with what's called silence and solitude, which is like my least favorite thing in the world, right? I like to stay busy. I like to wake up, have, a, have the news playing, shut off the news, go to a podcast, go to leadership development or sermons or whatever, and then when I'm in the car, have the Bible on you know, reading to me. And I hate silence. I feel I grew up in a, in, a, in a culture in my house where silence was like not being proactive, right? So in the car, my dad would always have like Jim Rowan or Zig Ziglar, you know, not podcasts, but tapes <laughs> going. Because always like use the time, use the traffic to develop your, so I was, saw silence as a negative thing. And then I got to a place in my life where I would get blindsided. What, what, what happened in my heart just then? What happened? Why did my anger come out? Why did I get... Because there were some breaches in the integrity, the structural integrity of my life that the change of pressure or change of pace exposed. Right? Or sometimes I'll pray, God, give me patience, and then God will put someone in my life that tests my patience. And then I realized that person was actually an answer to prayer. Right? Because I prayed God make me more patient. God, help me be more loving. And here's a person that's really hard to love. And God's like, okay, we're going to add a little more weight to the bar here. Okay? So we can't do it on the fly. you got to press pause on your life in order to examine. So here's how I do it. Here's practically how I do uh, my self-examination. I have goals for the year. Usually at the end of a calendar year or the beginning of a calendar year, I'll make the goals for that year. And I do my goals a little different. I don't just say, 
here's my financial goals, here's my fitness goals, here's whatever. I start out with these different categories, financial, relational, fitness, spiritual, leadership, emotional, mental, it's all these different categories. And the first bullet point under each of these categories is my big why for that. What is the reason? It's not just I want to save X amount of dollars. It's what is the reason? What do I want to say with, through the finances God puts in my hands? So I'll just literally read you just a few of the big why statements in my journal. I have a separate journal just for self-examination that I go through every Monday morning. And here's, like for financial, it says, my big why is to be a wise and faithful steward with all God trusts me with. That hasn't changed in a decade. To be a wise and faithful steward with all God trusts me with. Fitness, to have a body that's changed shapes. Uh, to have a body that is able to do God's work for as long as possible. So it's not about having a six-pack. That ship has sailed. I've, that's, <laughs> my one-pack is where it's at right now. But to have a body that's able to do God's work for as long as possible. That I want to be, I want to stay as healthy as I can. To have the energy to engage with people. To pull the hours I need to pull to play with my kids, one day grandkids. I don't want to be the guy that's always tired, passed out on the couch. You know what I mean? I want this body, this shell, to be faithful to God. Relationships, my big why for relationships is for those that know me best to respect me the most. The reason why I put that is I don't care about the crowds. I don't care. I used to really care what people thought about me. It just really doesn't matter because they don't really know you. And so I saw too many friends go down this path trying to please people that they don't even know, that don't know them, and they lose the people closest to them. I didn't want that. I partied with too many pastor's kids in high school. I didn't want that. So I want those who know me best to respect me the most. And then what happens, so I have those for each of these categories. And then under each of those categories, under the why, I have actual goals for the year. I want to save up this much money. I want to give away this much money, right? And then what happens is I give quarterly goals to that yearly goal. So if I, like, I, I literally, as, as my, I want to be able to deadlift this much at the end of the year. I want to be able to bench press this much at the end of the year. So by this, at, at the end of this quarter, so by March 31st, I want to be able to, you know, deadlift this much or save up this much in order to be on track for the year. And then what happens is part of my weekly examination on Monday mornings is to go through this list. It takes me about five, six minutes, go through this list and go, how am I tracking? How am I tracking? And then I make my to-do list and my schedule around my list. Because if I don't do that, then I'm just a slave to the immediate. I'm a slave to like anybody who wants an appointment or all these projects I got to do, and I'll get to those projects. But you'll never, I mean, you don't want people to say at your funeral, here lies Taka. He got his to-do list done every week. Right? But we let that stuff get the best of us. And what we say is the most important, a lot of times gets our leftovers. So what this thing does is it says, you know what? One of my goals is for those that love me the best or know me the best, respect me the most. Okay, well, I feel like there's a distance between me and this person I really care about. My daughter, my wife, my dad, a neighbor, whatever. I feel like there's distance. So this week, I'm going to make sure to reach out to them. This week, I'm going to ask if they want to grab coffee. Right? So your to-do list comes out of this. So... In order for you to do this well, you need to press pause. You need to put down the phone. Some of you guys need to turn down the, like, turn off the phone. Like, some of you guys have never turned off your phone unless the battery died. Like, you, some of us really, because some of us can do this on a computer or a tablet without being distracted. 
It took me a long time before I could do that because I use my iPad, and I'm like, well, I'll just check Facebook real quick, and I'll just, and it'll be half an hour. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to go back to, and right? So whatever you have to do, but put down the phone, turn off the TV. This isn't something you do with a movie playing in the background. This is five, seven minutes once a week. And you're like, that's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, but it will change everything. If you actually create how you spend your time around your values, it'll change everything for you. Remember years ago, I went, this is a really bad decision. I highly don't recommend it. But two weeks after Brooklyn was born, so that's our firstborn. Uh, so Nellie and I were on a five-year plan. We, initially, that's what we thought. And so we were like, we're going to get married five years, then we'll think about having kids. Well, she ended up getting pregnant two months in. Yeah, one got by the goalie. So we had, well, she had Brooklyn. Uh, I didn't really do a whole lot there. And so she had Brooklyn. And I made the dumb decision to, two weeks after Brooklyn was born, I'm going to go on a fishing trip with some guy friends. I recognize now that that was bad. Uh, just pray for Natalie. She's had to put up with a lot. Uh, so I really saw nothing wrong with it then. Anyways, that's near here and there. So we'll talk about that when we talk about marriage at some point. So I'll, I, I left a group of like 10 guys. We went to Boundary Waters. This is beautiful. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of, of waters, like lakes between Canada and the U.S. And you are like off the grid. You're hours and hours off the grid. So there's no way Nally could have gotten a hold of me. Again, bad decision. Don't recommend this. So we went, and so you take a, you take a boat with a, like a motor 45 minutes in, and that's the furthest you can go with a boat with a motor. Then you have to row and portage. What that means is you pack light because you are going to uh, uh, an island, and then you have to walk across the island with a boat over your head carrying all your gear. So because of that, we didn't bring a bunch of food. Okay, we're not like packing the SUV with, you know, all this food. We had to catch our food or else we didn't eat. Okay, so we would fish a lot. And the way we would fish was we would sit on these... Uh, canoes, one person would row, one person would have like a line out in the water, and we'd troll the water. Okay? So the way it worked was you'd want the, the bait with the sinker to be kind of halfway down on the water. You didn't want it at the top, and you didn't want it at the bottom, right? So the top is like little fish, the bottom is like gross fish. Okay? The bottom feeders, literally. So you kind of want it in the middle. And the way you would control where you had the sinker was how fast the boat went. So why is that important? Why am I telling you about my fishing story? Because if you wanted to have depth, you had to go slower. Right? If you wanted to have depth, you have to go slower. Now more than ever, the pace of life is fast. If you read stuff from like the 50s and 60s, they, they talked about one day we'll have these machines that could compute all this stuff for us and they thought that we were going to have like a two or three day work week working for a few hours a day we're gonna have so much time for leisure right because of these machines will do all this stuff for us well that's not what happened is it now just the demands get higher now you can google anything now if you if we're having a conversation of like who won the 1998 world series we wouldn't go i don't know and move on you know what we'd all do google it because we have to know right now, right? No, you don't, but we do, we feel like, right? Everything, the conversation we have at home, and my Brooklyn will be like, have you seen this meme? No, let me show it to you. I don't need to see it right now at dinner. Like, I really, you don't need to go get your phone from, from the other room. I don't need to see this right now. But th this is our life. I need to email real quick. I need to check my Facebook real quick. I need to, right? 
With the abundance of information comes a deficit of attention. With the abundance of information comes a deficit of attention. A lot of our lives are shallow. It's shallow because we're moving too fast. If you want more depth, if you want more spiritual depth, we're going to have to go slower. And so lovingly, if you're feeling like you recognize a lack of depth in your spiritual walk, if you recognize a lack of depth in your spiritual walk right now, maybe, maybe you just need to slow down. I'm not saying slow down, get some me time, and go watch two movies. That's not what I'm talking about. Some of us, our only way to relax is to go on our phone or look at another screen. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm, taking a, I'm talking about taking a few minutes to do a status check. A few minutes a week, take a status check. The reality is, success is not going to fix our integrity issues. If there's a breach in our integrity, if there's a level of anxiety or frustration or anger, or there's, there's our structural integrity of our heart is not good, more success, more pressure, more money won't fix it. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with couples that are going, our marriage isn't good, maybe we should have a kid, a kid will fix it. Or our dating relationship isn't going well, let's get married. No, 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 no. Getting married, putting a ring on it, doesn't make a boy a man. It gives man-sized problems to a boy. Okay? So getting more success, more pressure, is not going to fix structural integrity problems. It'll destroy the breaches of structural integrity. So when you have moments of increased pressure, moments of increased, increased pace, you'll find out what you're made of. And so the way we find out kind of where we're at with the structural integrity of our hearts, of our souls, are one of two ways. Either one, you take the time like we're talking about to do a self-examination, to find out kind of how you're doing, right? Or two, pressure increases in your life, pace increases in your life, and you'll find out in more destructive ways kind of where you're at, right? So the pandemic didn't destroy relationships. The pandemic didn't destroy our culture. It didn't create partisan politics. The, the pandemic didn't cause selfishness to rise up in our culture. It revealed what was already there. Right? You took a, a ship, a submarine that had cracks in it, and you took it under way more pressure than it, it could handle, and it imploded. That's what happened to so many relationships. So much stuff going on in our culture. So what did you learn? Take a moment and think about it. What did you learn this last couple years? What has the pandemic taught you about you? About your relationships? About what you do in uncertain times? What you do when people are just hammers looking for nails? When everyone wants to cancel? What, what happens in your heart when Thanksgiving dinner is really awkward? What happens in your heart? See, there's this Western mindset that pushes against what we're talking about today. And I'm convinced it's not spiritual. It's not scriptural. And it's, it's this idea of hustle. Hustle. This idea of like rise and grind. And I, I affirmed this for the majority of my life until the more I started reading scripture, I just couldn't find it. I realized it's more Western culture than it is scriptural. 
Now look, I'm not against working hard. I'm all for working hard. One of the things I hate is laziness. So this is not a talking about that. But there's a very big difference between working hard and a life full of hurry and anxiety. You understand the difference? It's a very big difference. You carry your shoulders differently. And what I found, we find in Scripture is Jesus was never in a hurry. He was never in a hurry. He would wake up early, not to knock out more emails than the other guy. He woke up early to pray. He woke up early to focus on his spiritual priorities. See, what's wild is too often, me, when people ask me how I'm doing, I can, my immediate response because of the way I was raised and my innate culture is, I'm busy. I'm busy. That's like a badge of honor, right? I'm busy. Got so much stuff going on, man, you would not believe. It's not a badge of honor. And I don't think it's, it's scriptural. I believe you should work hard as worship to God. I believe that with all my heart. I believe, in, I believe apathy and laziness do not honor God. But do you know what else doesn't honor God? Thinking that you have to hold it all together. Thinking that you're in control. Thinking that when you breathe your last breath, the world will fall apart. It won't. It won't. Great men and women have died and the world kept spinning. Because you're not in control. The world does not revolve around you. You can't hold it all together. You don't have to and you can't. So Sabbath and solitude, time off, taking time for self-examination is a recognition that you cannot do it all, that I cannot do it all. And so what self-examination says is, since I can't do it all, I'm going to have to make sure that I'm healthy. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, that I'm healthy and I'm in sync with the one who does hold it all. That's what self-examination is all about. Examination is about turning inward to see how you're really doing so later you can turn outward and actually go make a difference. One of my best friends, he was a, is a mentor in my life. He's like 20 years older than me. He used to always say the same thing when he saw me. There's a small group of friends that he would ask us to. And he, to everyone else, he'd say, how are you doing? But for us, he'd say, how are you doing? Really? Just that like half a second pause and really completely changes the question. How are you doing, Taka? Really? How's your marriage going? Really? Like, really? How's your, how's your level of prayer? Really? That really keeps you from going, good, fine. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go, can we go talk? Because <laughs> it's fine, but it's not fine. It's not fine. So how are you doing? Really? Really? Not with your church mask on. How are you doing? Really? How's your marriage? Really? How's your spiritual walk? Really? Like, really? How's your heart? Really? You mad at anybody? Frustrated? Any guilt haunting you? Regret? Sadness? Anything? How's your heart? Really? See, Psalm 26.2 says, Examine me, O Lord. Examine me, O Lord, and inspect me. Test my heart and mind. Examine me, God. This is my checkup. 
Instead of going to a yearly checkup with the doc, this is my weekly checkup with God. I'm saying, God, everything, every, every door in my heart's open. Everything. The Bible says that every, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So God sees everything anyway. So this is me saying, I voluntarily put myself under your test, God. Use your spiritual instruments. The doc can, can test my heartbeat and see stuff going on, on the outside. The Lord sees what's going on in my inside. Right? God, test my heart. Is my heart okay? Test my mind. Is my mind okay? Anything I need to shift? I want to end with just three quick way, reasons why we take time to examine. Three quick ways, or th three, three reasons. Number one, identity. Identity. What we're doing when we examine is we're asking God to let us know what he sees in us from his perspective. Right? God, what do you see in me from your perspective? And if we aren't intentional, what happens is our view of ourselves, your view of yourself, gets warped. Because I'm not who I think I am. Follow me on this. I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. If we're not careful, I am who I think you think I am. You following me? I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I am who I think you think I am, right? We find our identity so many times. So if, if, you, if I think you think I'm a good leader, then I feel like a good leader. Regardless of whether I think I made good leadership decisions or not, I can tell you how many times in this past couple of years I felt so insecure as a leader because we'd make a decision around whatever, so many things this last couple of years to people, people get mad about, and from the same stands or the same sermon on a Sunday morning, there's people that are going, I'm leaving the church because... You're too far to the left. I'm leaving the church because you're too far to the right. You're le I'm leaving the church because you're talking too much about race. I'm leaving the church because you're not talking enough about race. I'm leaving the church because you're not supporting this politician. I'm, I'm leaving the church because you're talking too much about politics. It's like, oh my gosh. So, so many times I have I had to go, God, who do you see? What do you see in me? Who am I through your eyes? Right? Because so many times I would feel like a bad leader because I think people think that I'm a bad leader. So how about you? How about you? The problem is, the problem is, two problems with that approach. One is, they don't really know you, right? No one knows you but you and God. Your spouse doesn't even know the real you, like the real, real stuff in your heart, right? So the problem is, they don't know you. You don't know them. I don't really know you, and you really don't know me. We see shades. And not, not, not that they're trying to be, like, um, sneaky. It's just people don't truly know, Right? So the problem is they don't really know you, and the other side of it is you don't know what they really think of you, right? So my old leader used to always tell me is you're not as good or as bad as people say you are. You're not as good or as bad as people say you are, right? So examination is just saying, God, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? That's why it's so important what Eric talked about last week of Bible study. So we have to see what God says we're at. Because if you want to know the identity of a thing, the reason for a thing, you ask the creator of it. Right? When there's buttons in your car that's going on, I don't even know what that switch does. You go in your owner's manual. Why? Because then Toyota would tell you that's why we put that button there. That's what that button does. Right? And if you're wondering why you are the way you are, that's a God question. Right? So, number one, identity. Number two, full engagement. Second reason why we do examinations, full engagement. This is about slowing down enough to focus on here, to focus on now. Instead of focusing on there, we tend, I tend, to focus on there, right? 
So there's a story in the Old Testament where Moses, God tells Moses to go up the mountain. And if you read the original languages, it's really kind of trippy. God says, essentially, Moses, go up the mountain, and when you're on top of the mountain, be on top of the mountain. It's a really weird thing to say unless you understand human nature, right? Because if you're Moses, the day before, you're like, I can't wait to go up the mountain and meet God. And when you're hiking on the mountain, he's like, I can't wait to get to the top. What happens when he gets to the top? How long are we going to be here? How long before I should start heading down the mountain again? Right? We tend to not be where we're at. We tend to be just in the next step, right? So when, you're, when we were all kids, we can't wait to grow up. When you're in middle school, can't wait to be in high school. High school, can't wait to be an upperclassman. Can't wait to be in college. Can't wait to graduate. Can't wait to get a career. When you get a career, can't wait to change jobs, change careers, change companies, get promoted. I can't wait to have kids. I can't wait till my kids are out of diapers. I can't wait till my kids can talk. I wish my kids now couldn't talk. I wish, you know, it's like, I, I, I can't wait till I have grandkids one day. And then eventually you get older and you wish you were young again. Why? Because we never were where we were. We always wanted to be there, not here. That's human nature. Some of us are so focused on there that we don't realize that preparation only happens here for there, right? That there has this crazy way of becoming here. It'll get here, right? Time's like a river. It'll flow. It'll, it'll get here. But we can only do anything about it here. You can only make a difference about it here, now. You can only impact someone's life here, now. You can only adjust your habits here, now. You can only prepare for there, here, now. See, some of us are praying for things that, honestly, we simply will not be ready for when it comes. Why? Because we're already, always there and we're never adjusting our habits. So when that thing comes, we're not going to be ready. When that thing comes, we're either not going to be ready or it's going to be a curse, not a blessing. Because when that increased responsibility... When that relationship comes, when that child comes, when the success or more income or more responsibility comes, we haven't built the habits, the structural integrity to handle that pace or that pressure. We haven't made the decisions to handle there. So it'll be a curse. So you're here. Be here. Be here. What examination does is it grounds us to what we aspire to be, right? One year from now, I want to do this. I want to, I want to have these values. But we, it grounds us to what we aspire to be, but also connects us to what we can actually do about it now. And then lastly, I just call this one the big question. Anybody I've spent any amount of time with knows that this is one of the biggest questions that, that I think all of us need to consider constantly. The question is this, who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? Not who do you want to be, not who do you intend to be. In light of the decisions you're making right now, in light of the habits that you're solidifying, in light of what you've done this past month, not what you're going to start doing or you're about to start doing or you have intentions of start doing or you, you've talked about it, you've prayed about it, you've thought about it, you've gone to a small group about it, but no, what are you actually doing this this last, if you were to take your decisions this last month and copy and paste it over the rest of your life, who are you actually becoming? Around all sorts of issues. How you handle conflict in relationships. 
you run? Silent treatment? Do you apologize? It's part of who you're becoming. The decisions you make around finances. Generous or selfish? Who are you becoming? Your prayer life, your Bible study life, who are you becoming? Again, it doesn't matter what you intend to do. What are you actually doing? Regular examination reminds you of this in really hard ways and really good ways. Regular examination reminds you where you're full of it, <laughs> to be honest. Regular examination goes, Taka, you've said this was a value, but you're sure not acting like it is. Why don't we tweak some things? Regular examination also says, you're not where you want to be, sure. We have goals, we're going to aspire to go somewhere, but you're also not where you used to be either. Right? Regular examination reminds you of where you're slacking. It reminds you of where you're winning too. So as we end, let me give you four practical steps to actually do this. One, and we'll, we'll put this out on social media or whatever to help you actually go through this process. One, what are your goals for the year? Not New Year's resolutions. What are your goals? And what's the big why behind each of these goals? You want to save up money. Why? Why? You want to get ripped. Why? Why? Right? What's the big why behind it? So what are your goals for this year? Two, what do you need to do weekly to accomplish them? Think habits, right? Not this, like, some of us are spasmatic Hercules. Like, we do really intense for a short amount of time. It makes no difference. You can do a thousand sit-ups today. Doing a hundred sit-ups every day is way better, right? So, what do you need to do weekly to accomplish your goals? Number three, when are you going to do a weekly 10-minute exam? When are you going to do a weekly 10-minute? You're like, well, well I, I intend to do it. No, no, no. Schedule it. Schedule it. The problem is we don't have any hunger pains with this. Like none of us go, you know what? I forgot to eat this week, right? Because our body lets us know, right? But we can easily forget to do this. So when's your weekly 10-minute time? Mine's Wednesday morning first thing. When's yours? And lastly, make decisions based on your examination. Schedule your to-do list. Schedule your calendar appointments from your discretionary time. You know what? And it, it may cut into your TV shows you're watching. It may. You may have to watch one less episode. It's fine. It's fine. It'll be worth it because you'll be living according to your values. What this does is it bumps the rudder. When you look at like the first Apollo mission that landed on the moon, they were off tens of thousands of times. There's micro adjustments, right? That's what this is, micro adjustments. Because if we don't adjust the little things now, there will come a point in time where you're past the point of no return, right? You can make adjustments now with your emotional, mental, spiritual health, your physical health, there may come a time where you're not able to make any changes anymore. It's, it is what it is. None of us are in that boat right now. So bump the rudder, bump the rudder. Because ultimately, ultimately, if we do this right, you can have a thriving spiritual life. Like really. So 
Let me pray for us. And I'm pr- guys, I'm praying for you all week. I know this is not like a sexy talk. This isn't, this isn't like a, you know, some really cool like hype thing where, you know, it can make a huge difference. My, my last thing I'll say is if you see somebody that has a thriving relationship with God, I can almost guarantee you they have consistent times like this. And if you see someone that has a whole lot of intentions of wanting to have a thriving relationship with God, but never quite gets traction on it, my guess is they don't do this. And that's why intentions never become actions. So let me pray for us. God, we... um, God, I pray if anything wasn't of you tonight, God, I pray that you would strike it from our hearts. But if it was you, God, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lovingly, with no guilt, no condemnation, but with full of hope and dreams of what could be, God, I pray that you would call us into a more significant and deep relationship with you, God. I pray that you would give us a, uh, an integrous life, a life full of integrity, that we're able to handle the pressure and the pace of life that you give us. God, we want to have a thriving relationship with you. We don't want to just go to church. We want a real relationship with you. God, would you help us to do that? God, I pray that we'd have depth in our relationship with you. Life. God, we love you for it. Would you, you say in your word that the Holy Spirit will put us in remembrance of everything you've ever taught us. God, Holy Spirit, would you remind us of this often? We love you for it. God, we want our, we want our lives to make a difference. We commit it to you. In Jesus' name.